Thank you so much for being a listener of the Deep Believer Show. We love our listeners, we pray for our listeners, and we love to hear from our listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to say, if you have any testimonies, or if you have any questions, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a listener of The Deep Believer Show. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnash with Deep Believer. Today, we have a return guest with us. Her name is Tina Schmidt. She's here to share with us her multiple encounters with angels, not only sharing her encounters, but educating us about what angels really are here for and letting us know if we really can instruct angels what to do. She also answers questions of whether angels are masculine or not masculine or both. There's so much more to this conversation that you're gonna wanna hear. And also, does everyone have a guardian angel Tina Schmidt, thank you so much for being with us again. Hi, thank you, Jennifer. It is such a pleasure to be back on Deep Believer and to um, uh, share with you these divine encounters, which I feel are a blessing from the Lord, and to share with your viewers. I thank you. I'm an honored guest, and I feel so honored in my heart. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Tina, tell me this. You've had many encounters. I've seen your long list of your encounters with angels. I just want to know, when did you start recording your angel encounters? When did you start writing them down? Well, this, you know, I I occasionally would make a footnote in my head. I really didn't start doing this daily journalizing and paying that close attention until more recently in 2019. However, I had taken a few notes on occasion um, over the years, it's just, um, I wasn't, uh, really, um, cognizant how much help I was getting from the angels. It wasn't until my walk with the Lord, uh, had really become, uh, tight and close and leaning on him and having his spirit move in me. And then I look back over the years and saw as these memories opened up, how many times God was trying to get my attention, how many times God had saved me, how many times I had been helped and uh, delivered uh, by the help of his angels. So uh, in those many years, um, even since I started as a child having angelic encounter um, encounters, uh, it it, it, I, I I started to understand a little bit more about them and how they represent the Lord and his will. The angels are messengers. Uh, they are warriors that defend the throne of God, not just the throne. We think of a throne as a physical throne, but they're defending the spiritual principles that the foundation of the throne is built upon. They are protectors. Uh, they're protectors of uh, us. And the righteousness of the throne of God, they protect all the divine principles of the Lord. They protect his uh, heaven and the heavens, and they protect us here, down here on the earth. They are, in essence, like a spiritual brother, or you could say they're cousins. You know, they're like, they're related to us, 
And yet we are uniquely made in the image of God, um, but they, they, they have a relationship with us that is very profound. They're helpers and they can also assist in healing and they assist you in your spiritual growth. And, uh, but uh, that's, and, and this is what I have come to understand through these encounters since I was young. And mostly as I started uh, after 2019 and my fourth near-death experience, when the whole, the whole spiritual world was blown open to me, I began to see more and more of them as they were helping me um, in my uh, delivering, delivery process and in my uh, spiritual growth. Tina, tell us, when was the first time you've ever seen an angel or your angel? Okay, um, I, I had had this head accident when I was young, and we covered that in another video. There was, as I said, someone standing next to me, but I couldn't lay my eyes on him. I was five years old at the time, but the the being, which either was an angel or, or Jesus, directed my attention downward back to the earth. So uh, that was my first encounter of something supernatural that opened up a sense to me, you know, even as a five-year-old, that I was in the presence of something that was not um, physical, but that was helping me. And, and so that imprinted me. Around six years old, um, my mother took uh, me and my brother to live in Hawaii. Um, I think it was after the head accident, and, the, and she just decided that, you know, there was too much going on over here. Her and my, my, my dad had divorced but there was still a lot of abuse going on. So she took me and my brother, one of my brothers, over to Hawaii and while she was working there. And uh, we lived in this little plantation village called Pukului on Maui. And um, it's way on the backside. And then uh, I wandered out, um, just decided somehow I was gonna go for this walk and ended up with a friend of mine, uh, her name was uh, Kim. And we went walking out of the village, out, and we followed this water ditch that goes all the way to the to the ocean. And uh, we just had no sense of the time of day or anything. And it was hours later, late afternoon, we were hot, tired, thirsty. We didn't know what was going on. And uh, we started to get a little concerned. She lost her shoes in this rushing water, this ditch. It's It's so many feet wide, but the stream current goes out and a kid can easily get swept away by this. So uh, some man came up to us and I couldn't see his face. It was blurred over, but he was wearing common village clothing. And he said, uh, you are far away from home. You need to go home. Where is your home? And I said, I don't know. Well, we're scratching our heads at six years old. Duh, we don't know. And he says, you have to go home. And I looked at him. I couldn't, his face was, I couldn't make out his face. It was really strange. I could make out his clothes, but when I got up here to his head, I couldn't make out his face. And suddenly when he took my hand in the next minute, I was back standing in front of our plantation. Wow. So you were transported. Yeah, but I, like, to me, Bible. As, yeah, but as a kid, you don't, you know, you, you just look at what's in front of you. You don't scratch your head and go, that didn't make any logical sense. You're a kid, right? So I ended up right there back in front of the house, in front of the gate, and the man wasn't there. And 
I just walked in like I'd been only gone two minutes. I'd been gone over eight hours. Wow. So what happened and, to your friend uh, was with you? I don't know. But later I saw her. She was fine. We just never talked about it. You're six years old. You're on to the next TV show and you're on to the next, you know, goodie that's in the basket, whatever. So um, that was uh, another miraculous thing that had happened. And uh, then... Um, I guess the next encounter was when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Uh, that was in uh, a time when uh, this being appeared next to my bed. Now, I couldn't see his features, but it was a male. And he was there. And uh, it was either Jesus or my angel. And I do think, having met Jesus now, I do believe it was an angel talking to me. Now, really quickly. Uh, Mm-hmm. When you say having met Jesus, now you know it's an angel. Why? Why do you say that? Uh, there is a certain kind of mm, mm, imprint that Jesus gives you. It's different than the angels. Jesus gives you something. When you meet Jesus, there is something so kinship about him. There's something so mm, even though he's the king, and I've seen him, like we talked about, in all his glory, there is a connection of kinship of, I want to say, like, you know, a blood brother, where you're close, you just know it, you just know you're made out of that same, he breathed you out of his mouth, so you're imprinted from the start with this love of God, the love that, you know, formed you and made you, that you know, it's just something you know about this, this kinship you have with Jesus. Now, the angels, they have a kind of regal glory to them. Uh, and don't get me wrong, Jesus does too. He can make himself, he can come to you as the king of glory. And he has, and it's flattened me out. And he can come as the almighty. Uh, but these angels, there is a certain, I want to say it's, it can be brotherly, but it, can, it feels more like a cousin because their appearance is so different from a regular human when you see them there's something so um uh regal i want to say or glorious about them even though they look human even though they there's just something about them at least the ones i've met uh, the the warrior types too they're very very um they're, they're supernatural they just look like you know they've come right out of a hercules movie or something <laughs> so i can say um but anyway this angel came in my room and um or this being which i can think now is an angel to give me a message so they are messengers and he said um don't worry everything will be okay don't worry everything will be okay and uh i asked him well why what's going on he says you'll know you'll know later everything will be okay and that was the very next day we found out that our uh, our abusive dad had passed away so they are messengers now, I didn't get to see his face, um, but I could see his the presence of, a, of him there, but not the details. So uh, I think as we grow closer to the Lord and we, we, uh, we go through the gate, Jesus is the gate. He says, I am the gate in the way to the kingdom. As we, as we you know, make our relationship closer to Jesus, this kingdom world opens up to you. It's, it's just part of going through the gate of the Lord, you know? So, so as my relationship deepened with the Lord over time, uh, the angels made themselves 
uh, known. And I think that's just part of the divine family. You know, we're part of that whole kingdom family. So um, once I had that experience, I started asking, like, if I lost my keys, guardian angel, I know you're there. Can you help me find my keys? I'd find them. Or could you help me find this? Or can you, you know, at least that that awareness of something supernatural helped me begin a dialogue to begin with God, you know, that there was something out there, somebody who loved me and and so on. And then uh, I became a Christian. I started going to a Christian church uh, when I was about 13. I got saved at 14 officially with the, you know, the baptism and, and all of that. And so um, uh, that's when it really led me to Jesus. You know, I had, my stepmom had got me my first Bible and I began to, um, when I was in second, third grade, and I began to have this other world open up to me of the supernatural. And uh, I began to understand something then at least that I wasn't alone and that, you know, the world wasn't always just this abusive place, that there was something beyond here to give me hope. And I think that's the angel's job is to really point you to the Lord. They're not there for your, they're not there for fanfare. They're not there to um, be your buddies. They are there to point you to the Lord. You know, this is, this is, this is the thing. They'll never bring attention to themselves. I guess the next encounter that was a, an eye-opener to heaven and the kingdom was in 1985 when my brother passed away. Now, before he passed away, about 40 days before he passed away, um, an angel spoke in my ear, Tina, your brother will pass away on such and such date. He gave me the exact date. Wow. Okay. So were you kind of weirded out by that? Like, were you nervous? I actually, or did you have a piece? No, no. I thought someone had come into the room. I actually thought it was a friend, you know, I don't know, my maybe my boyfriend, somebody. I thought, who who's here? I heard him clearly, and I got up, I looked around the house, I looked in the bathroom, I looked, I said, somebody just talked to me, and, you know, I didn't quite get it was the guardian angel, but later, as the years have passed, that same voice, same guardian, has talked to me, okay, and then I finally got to meet him, so this is why I know it was an angel, so I, th I was about 24 when my brother died. And then there was some other things that happened that let me know my mom was about to pass away and also my oldest brother. So I lost a lot of family within a few, you know, five years or so. And then um, I think the next big thing that happened after I visited heaven, uh, that portal, that uh, imprint from heaven must have still lingered on me because I had another trip to heaven. And it was out of the deepest desire of my heart. I remember the suffering I had gone through. I had seen my brother in heaven. And like I mentioned before, it's even though you go to heaven and you know that, you know, you, when you're there, it's perfect. Everything is perfect. You're perfect. My, I saw my brother. I saw past uh, family and things like that. Um, you still come back with an emptiness because when you come back here, you're in the vessel and the vessel has all this imprint and all of this past history and emotion and memory. This is the soul that's come back into the vessel to uh, be plugged back in here with uh, all that you are that make you a human here. So anyway, I had another experience where I was able to go to heaven again. And the first thing I saw um, 
Now, this transition was where I lifted up and went through another portal, but by that time, this portal sounds going through there was not and uh noticeable as much it was just a blank like and you're there okay so anyway i alighted onto heaven again and i'm like oh heaven i'm great and i look ahead and i see this guy he's an angel because i met him later i must have this connection with these guys they're assigned to us for life for our life here till death do us part these angels are assigned to take care of us so i must have had some kind of a a a connection so i'm looking over and i'm looking at this guy and he's he's sitting on what looks like a marble bench with a gazebo that looks like it's made out of marble just everything is beautiful flowers all around garden walks where is this when you're in heaven or is this yes yes in heaven and uh he's got a scroll i'm thinking a scroll i mean we have books and we have tablets with our phone this guy has a scroll but he's i wouldn't say he looks like the thinker statue but he was kind of like that and he's looking at the scroll and then okay so he's looking at this scroll and he goes and he sees me and then um like you're not supposed to be here what are you doing here i don't know maybe i was but anyway he sees me and then i look and i see this woman who's dressed in something that looks like uh, an outfit uh, uh, from the 1800s and she's walking with a little girl and I, as i'm looking at her i start look down and i start to notice the flowers so when i started noticing the flowers i began to get really myopic on those flowers and they looked like they were sugar-coated like they had candied sugar around I don't know how to explain it they were glowing and glistening and um then um somebody got a hold of me and and um uh, took me back home here and then uh the next thing I know I was back here in my um body and I'm like, I'm laying on my bed and I feel so refreshed. This is another thing. I feel like I had a refreshing in my spirit. Like somebody had pushed a reset button and I felt much lighter, uh, full of uh, peace and joy and well-being. That's the thing. I came back with a deep sense of well-being. And I think what, what my journey has been is that, you know, we're, we're, in these bodies, our mind, our soul, our, you know, I mean, our soul is our mind, our body, our emotions, our everything is, is in these vessels. And then we have this divine identity that God gives us when we become his children, our spirit. And so it seems to me that in my life, I've been trying to get these two sides of our consciousness, our awareness to meet, and it's done through the Lord because he brings us the kingdom. He came to preach the kingdom. He came to tell us about the kingdom. The angels are from the kingdom. It's it's his, Jesus's gospel was about God and the kingdom of heaven. And so I think sometimes we miss this. You know, we miss this. And the angels are trying to point us to him and point us to heaven. So I think that's what this encounter was. It was to help me understand my connection there without putting a whiteboard up or a blackboard and saying this you know academically he sh- they show us by experience and uh another occasion which um uh i didn't i didn't make a note to you but it's coming to mind now 
I was uh, also, this was many years ago, I was entered into the halls of knowledge and the halls of wisdom. And I uh, was taking down through this hallway, this hallway, it looked like it could have been 800 feet tall or like a citadel, just big, maybe a thousand feet tall. I don't know. It, it, and then down the hallway. And there are what appears to be beings dressed in white, angels or people. I don't know. They're very human looking. And they're walking together, uh, going through these halls. And as I went down the hall, opened one of the, the tall door. It's big, double door, very wide, very big. And I open it and there's uh, what appears to be light, like uh, beings of light, angelic light. I don't know, but there are, then there's people in these things, angels and people, and they're wearing robes and they're in these amazing, I don't want to call them learning rooms, learning labs, but they're, everybody's learning about God. Everybody is learning. They're learning stuff. And they're all happy. And, uh, you know, it, it was, a, it was a, a beautiful, amazing thing. And I have never forgotten that. And then I walk through the big hallway, these big archways. And I get to the end and there's what seems to be an open plateau that goes on. And I can see heaven. Just beautiful, beautiful, eternally going out the uh, skies of heaven it was just it was just beautiful and so these incidences and things like that sometimes no words were spoken because the idea here is is and I'll relate it to one of the more recent encounters sometimes we're supposed to be imprinted and learn it by being instead of by thinking we're learning it by being by our whole being by by being imprinted with the experience, um, the whole beingness. For instance, if you have a baby and you hold that baby and all this love comes out, you're not being shown how to love that baby. It is by being love to in in that joining union with that child or whatever. You 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 are being this. You're not being taught it. You are being. And so when you when I had these experiences, I really feel they were imprinting me with the beingness in the kingdom you know who we are in the kingdom not academically not something that has to get translated through our head and down into our spirit and our soul we we are beings being we're beings of god and so i think that was one of the imprints uh, that i received from that um experience now earlier you mentioned that you saw your guardian angel does everyone have a guardian angel yeah, everybody has guardian angels. There's more than one. Usually there's three. And there could be more. Um, I also think we have administering uh, administration uh, angels. And uh, we have ministering angels. We have warrior angels as well. And uh, they they each have their particular assignment with you. They can come all at once. They can come one at a time. They can they each they each have a job to do. Usually, your ministering angels, um, they're always with you. They do depart for um, every. What I've noticed is every so many days, and I can't mark this down exactly, but they 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 leave 
for a few hours. I think they have to go back to the Lord. They have to go back and give their report. They have things they got to do, and then they return. And um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I discovered this uh, later on after 2019. Um, we'll talk about that, maybe jot that down. And and one of the 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 things is we have ministering angels. Uh, they're trying to help us always, and they'll never take you beyond where you are at in that moment they're there to minister for that moment because your learning experience here is by free choice and the decisions you make to handle a situation are your decisions that you make now they'll try to help you but if you say to an angel help me make this decision that's that's something that is for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit, they will not take on that administrate that that administration role. That is something that is, you know, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. It's you know the and Jesus is your wonderful counselor as well. So they don't take on the role of the Lord, although they can be a mouthpiece for the Lord and they can do uh, other things for the Lord uh, in His name. But mostly they're there to aid you exactly where you're at. Now, I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I've heard of instances of people who say uh, they told their angel to do this. They told their guardian angel to, that, to do that. Do angels take orders from humans? And if so, why? And if not, why? It all depends. If any of those orders violate anything that God has in mind for you, <laughs> they won't do it. But they will if uh, if you say help me, they will. If you, it, but most of the time you're not addressing your angels; you're talking to God. Now uh, they can also. Uh, we'll get to this too. There's been times, and I'll tell you, this happened more recently in 2022, which we can get to towards the end of this. But yeah, I've had some pretty strong conversations that have come up with them, and then they do something usually they it, it's this is it here's the fine line uh they're not going to do anything against what god has already authorized them to do if you do anything or give them commands to do anything uh contrary to what god has commanded them to do or what jesus has uh told them they won't do it and so the the main thing to do is get in line with jesus and go to the lord uh, the scriptures don't, there's no scriptures that support us telling angels what to do. Now, if you say, God, send your angels before me and protect me, you'll do it and they will. If you, if you begin to play these games with these angels, they're too smart for that. They're not going to get involved and start taking orders from you when you're not walking where you should be. And, and you're, you're telling them to do what you should be going to the Lord to do. So that's that's what I have to say about that. And I'm sure, um, you know, if if people say that they are ordering their angels to do certain things, um, I have yet to see that in the scriptures. And so I don't really uh, validate that. But again, I don't know what God is working in other people. All I know is if 
And this is the spirit of discernment where you go back to the word and you go back to the examples given in scripture. The angels will, will do what God tells them to do, what Jesus tells them to do. Okay. They won't do what you tell them to do unless you are uh, in line with exactly what the Lord has appointed for you to do and to say, I can't, you know, say for everybody. I just know um, that's how I would test it out. I'd look to the word. And for one thing, we shouldn't be going to angels and telling them what to do. We inquire of the Lord and he will help us when we are in alignment with his word and with his will. And then the angels carry that out. So we shouldn't be using the angels as a middleman to carry anything out. On top of that, should people be praying to angels? Never. Never. You do not pray to angels. People feel like the angels are a shortcut somehow. Oh, well, they're closer to us than, than God. So I can't reach God. God's too far out there. But an angel I can wrap my brain around. So I, I'll pray to him. No, because that leads all kinds of. That is so awful because uh, this is where the devil gets in. Now the devil's got you exactly where he wants you. And he can show you all kinds of phenomenon. He can show you all kinds of parlor tricks and do all of these things to entice you to continue taking your eyes off of the Lord and to in, embark in conversation, to embark in a kind of dialogue. I'll get to that about how to know the difference between God's angels and the false angels that try to deceive you. You see, people, as soon as people start praying to angels and telling them what to do, they get a sense of this false power and that they can do something and have authority. So these demonic forces will go ahead and do their juggling act and perform all of these things because they, they've now got a hook on you and, and pulling your attention off of the divine. Do you realize angels love the Lord with all their heart and all their soul? They love Jesus and they love God. And that's where their eyes and their hearts are. And, and so um, they're not about to be... Um, distracted by any of us and take our uh to, to do these these tricks to please us and this is where people get really messed up there's a new age shop uh down by the beach and there was an old store in there that i used a clothing store and i walked in and i went hey this is no longer this clothing store and it ended up being some kind of angel workshop i mean an angel shop and i'm looking around at all these statues and icons and rings and and this woman comes up and says, we're having an angel workshop. Raphael comes in here and, you know, gives us all kinds of information. And I said, what? Oh, yeah. We have people who, who are channelers. Well, I realized, you know, that they were lying because they're being deceived about this thing. And then I said, uh, I'm, God's angels don't do that. They, they, why, and anyway, why are you, and I got into a conversation. I said, why, if you, if you believe in, in, in angels, you know, do you know that angels take all of their orders from Jesus? So why are you, why are you turning to angels when Jesus is the real thing? She couldn't answer that. And so, um, you know, I didn't want to, um, impose upon her store. She has a right to be there. I just said, God bless you. And I left, but it, 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 it shows me how our culture gets um, sort of um, 
infatuated with these things and uh, their diversions from the truth. I agree, Tina. I agree. So tell me this. Can you tell when your angel is around you? Can you feel the angel around you? Um, I know everybody's different, but do you? Yeah, feel there's a, there's a, yes, there's a sensitivity that you develop. Um, you have to come out from sin. I'm telling you, you have to come out from sin. You have to come out from a life that is burdened when the soul is just burdened and inundated with so much heaviness. The perception is is not necessarily there um as easily as it could be if you lived a cleaner life and your spirit is lighter then there's a tangible thing you can feel in in and it's very uh, um gentle it's very um and when i say gentle please don't mistake it for weakness they can have a very gentle demeanor but the power can be there with them and it's a strange dichotomy but uh yeah, um, uh, then you get used to it. You get kind of used to it, and then you think, okay, what happened? They're gone. No, it's called acclimizing. You've acclimized to that sensitivity. Now, um, that takes me to something that I'm going to jump ahead. I don't know if I put it in the notes, but yeah, there's a presence there. When I was singing a song, uh, they came in through that song. And um, it was it was pretty dramatic. The angels came into the room and I've had them into the room more than once um, to honor and to to help me in my walk and in my faith in the Lord. So, yeah, there there it's a tangible presence. Um, but again, our attention shouldn't be on the sensations of whether you can feel them. It should our attention is on the word and our attention is on the Lord. And then these things come as uh you know, byproducts of that relationship. They come as fringe benefits. So Tina, when you mentioned how angels are, I wonder if you said soft, but not weak. The picture you have behind you right now is a picture that oh. you drew of these angels. Can you just pull that out really quickly? This one? Yes. The warring angels. The warring okay. angels. So they don't look soft to me. I want to tell you about that warring angel story though. So I can uh, I'll pull it out now. I'll show you. But uh, there's a story behind that. And these are angels you actually saw. Yeah. Um, so this, it's getting started. It's not finished yet, but you can kind of see where I'm at with it. Last time I saw it, you only had two. So now you're you surpassed the two, and now you're on the third one. Yeah, I'm working. This is a big warning one that showed up uh, recently. Uh, he had dark hair, and uh, that happened uh, just a few, maybe a couple weeks ago. Now, as I see that picture, I notice they're masculine looking. Masculine yes. looking. So, Mine are. So all the angels that you've seen, so there's this debate that I'm sure you've heard it amongst many believers. There are no feminine angels or female angels. What, what type of angels have you seen? And, and are there feminine angels or are there just masculine angels? Well, the ones I have an affinity with are masculine. And um, maybe because uh, I'm kind of, I was, you know, I had two older brothers and I was, uh, uh, loved my brothers very much. And they, um, they taught me how to be strong, you know, 
And so uh, I wasn't your typical girly girl. You know, when I was a kid, I wore boots and rode horses and, uh, you know, did all kinds of boyish things, strong, you know, physically challenging things because I was physically challenged with uh, development problems in my body when I was young. I was premature and I had all kinds. Of, so I was determined to overcome that by um, lots of physical activities. And my brothers were very in influential in strengthening my life. I mean, strengthening me as a kid. So um, therefore, uh, being imprinted in the family by my brothers, um, I think that had a lot to do with my perception and being able to perceive these. Now, that takes me to 1997, and this was a complete surprise to my angel and to me, but you know when you're laying there and you're in that sweet spot and you're sleeping and you're just starting to click back into this world, you come out of that dream state and you start clicking into the sound of your clock on the wall and you know, maybe the, the airplane flying outside. Anyway, I was laying there and suddenly I just opened my eyes and I looked up. So something had caught my attention and I looked up and I saw this, this is the guy I'd been wanting to meet all my life, okay? An angel looking down at me with his locks of golden hair. He had golden hair that was glowing, glowing hair. And he looked at me with the most beautiful blue, crystal clear blue eyes. And he would have his hand over my head like this. My, my head was in his lap. He was cross-legged. I opened my eyes like this and he's staring down at me and his hand. And then he froze like he was caught. Like I caught him in the act of doing something. And he, he so he's looking down at me and he, and his eyes go like, uh-oh, you know. And I grabbed his hand and I said, you're not getting away. And I stood up on the bed and I said, I see you. I see you. I know you're my angel. I see you. I see you. Like, like, oh yes, I caught you. He sits, he's sitting there and he's wearing white. And he gives me this really peaceful, like, okay, I'm not going to excite this situation. He didn't say anything. But I got a good eyeful of him, just staring at him. And he was beautiful. And then I said, okay, who are you? What's your name? What's your name? Tell me your name. Who are you? And when I said, who are you? He changed my vision. So all of a sudden now, I was, I it's like a, I can't explain it. A, a portal opened and I saw him in heaven. And I'm viewing him up close and I can see who he is in heaven and he's an angel so he didn't say i'm your guardian angel he showed me he is an angel in the kingdom of heaven he showed me himself in the kingdom and then uh the flash ended and i said let's go do something i see you i want to do something like i was just so excited beside myself and then he began to put me out like no you're going to sleep you're going you, you you know you're going out. I'm like, no, no. And I just went back down on the bed and I opened my eyes and he was gone. But I saw him and I remembered what he looked like. And I burned that into my head because now I had absolute proof 
that I had this guardian angel. Uh, this is the guy who's been talking to me. This is the one who it was like it, I was connecting these dots that had remained as questions in my life. Who was the one who talked to me by my bed? Who was the one who told me about my brother? Who's the one, you know, I kept wanting to know. And I'd actually prayed about meeting my guardian angel. So what I find interesting is how God allowed me to see him and how surprised he was that that happened. So he was learning something also. See, even the angels learn. They watch us. It says that Peter, first Peter uh, there's a scripture in there that says they that angels can only watch in wonder. They learn from us because the things we go through here, they don't have to go through in heaven. So they watch us and they learn how we overcome. And I think sometimes we do surprise them a little bit. Well, you were pretty brave to grab that angel. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> oh, I was like on it so fast. Now, um, prior to that, in 1993, uh, I had seen the warring angel. Now, what happened was I was sleeping and I had been super tired that day. There was a lot going on. And I, I, I don't know what caused this, but I woke up and I looked up. It was, it's their presence. It must be something about the strength of that presence that imprinted me that goes, oh, they're here, you know? And at that time, it was a rare thing. And so this was in 93. And I went, ah, and I looked up and I saw for the first time in my life, a warring angel in armor, gold armor. He had, okay, he had a helmet and he had this kind of like there where he's got the eye holes, you know, it's a gold armor and he's got his eye holes and these cheek guards he looks like a i want to say like one of those roman statues just really glory glorious looking and he sees me okay so he i'm gonna take my glasses off and he he sees me look at him and he goes like uh-oh i was she's not supposed to see me he's about eight feet tall hovering over my bed right behind my head watching me sleep watching me sleep and I uh he knocked me out he didn't want me staring at him that much I was allowed to have that glimpse God gave me that glimpse to assure me and I'm going to tell you it's more than what you see you get imprinted with something about the kingdom of God the glory of the kingdom of God you begin to understand that you belong to something far greater and more profound than we could ever understand here and so god began getting my attention more and more and more to to understand my connection to the kingdom and these great beings and jesus and and the and the throne of god and god himself you know it's amazing so I, I can, and you know, all my life I've been searching and searching and searching the scriptures and reading and trying and reaching. I mean, I have searched for God all my life, trying to unlock these great mysteries. Anyway, so he didn't have to say anything. I was imprinted with, with the knowledge right away that these guys watch out for you day in, day out. Another time I was in a yardage shop and um, I had my um, 
I was, my car was outside. I was in the yardage shop and I got a message that came in so clear. Get out of there. You got to get out of there. And I felt it. Now, this is before I learned the difference in how God communicates to us through through all, all of our systems, our body, our soul, our mind, our spirit. And it was it was a strong, like you want to call it an intuitive thing or an intuition. It was pulling, get out of there now. So I walked, I had all this stuff in my hands. It wasn't done shopping. I walked over to the door and I went, I'm not going to do this twice. I got to go back and I paid for this stuff. So I went back dawdled around and I've got this red flag signal going off on me come on you got to get out there you got to get okay yeah quiet down you know I thought it was me I go outside and my car was stolen so they were trying to tell me something in the flesh while I was awake but my reasoning mind overruled the gentle message the strong urge that they were telling me and I began to understand that it was a it was my mistake. Not that they weren't trying to protect me. They had done everything they could to protect me, and I wasn't listening. I had my will saying, my rational mind going, yeah, I don't want to have to come back and do this. My car got stolen. And so it's very interesting how many times they do try to warn us. I I've been I paid start paying real close attention to a lot of uh, those warning signs because they speak to us in our spirit. Then our soul tries to process it, and then our mind has to process it, and somehow we lose that connection because we're not operating in spirit. We're operating in mind. We're operating in the soul. We're not operating in spirit. And so it's it's taken a it's been a journey to to kind of learn how to uh, walk with the Lord more because He is spirit, and these angels are out to protect us. They're out to help us, uh, but they're not going to uh, take control over everything. You know, that's, that's, we have to ask for help from God. And I'm kind of glad you are actually really glad you mentioned that. Because I was going to ask you, uh, how do you hear the angels? Do you hear them in your ears, your mind, or in your spirit? I'm sure we answer that, right? Or do you still okay. hear them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, they, they talked to me. I was talking to them in broad daylight. I was washing some clothes one day in the, and the angel told me something he said uh you're going to be you're going to be going through that through the gate i'm like what do you mean i was in washing conscious mind here washing laundry at the machine he says you're going to be going out or going through the gate and so uh what happened was um something happened in that i ended up uh leaving my job i was going out the job gate and so they prepared me. They were telling me ahead of time. Now, they're not going to go lay it out and uh, give you a chalkboard. They're going. You have to inquire of the Lord. Remember, it's a relationship with the Lord that the angels are trying to help you with. The angels are not trying to make you... Um, uh, you're here to learn and make your own choices. You make those choices. So they introduce something and then it's up to you how you take that. If you're going to do it God's way or if you're going to go your own will way. So do you now, hear them spirit to spirit? or do Yeah, they- sometimes or sometimes I hear them with my physical ears. Sometimes uh, they'll they'll speak to me by the imprint. An urge in, in, in here that says to do. Sometimes my mind is so distant, but then... Uh, like I, I seek out an answer to something 
and and I'll be looking for an answer to something, and then all of a sudden, there it is. Or I've had my computer crash, and I say, God, would you please? I try to solve a computer problem for three days, and I couldn't do it. And then I said, Lord, would you would you fix this for me? There's something wrong in my perception. I'm not quite getting what you what is going on here because I keep coming up with the same problem fixed instantly. I didn't ask the angels. I asked the Lord. And the angels are right there to do stuff. Amen. You know, it, it's there. They are the background guys. They're not in the forefront and they don't want to be. This is why when they do tell me their name, I never call them by name. I never do. I never call it. They, they have told me their name. Here's an instance in 1999. Um, this angel, I want to say it was this angel, sat on the edge of my bed and I woke up. And the first thing I saw when I looked at him and his long hair, I said, I love you. And he said, I love you too. And I said, you're here to tell me something aren't you he says yes and he started to tell me and I said uh and then he said he had to go he says I have to leave now and I says no 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 don't 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 please stay please stay and I held his hand I wouldn't let him go and then uh he showed me why he had to leave and it, what he did was I said don't leave what don't leave why do you have to leave hang on stay here I want you to stay here with me he gave me a flash and in an instant I was there in this flash like like he he shot a, the image over to me and i was there in 3d there was a it looked like i was standing in a mine underground with these mining engineers and one of the walls in the mine had been compromised and there was lake water or some kind of dam water or something leaking through that was going to collapse the mine the mine excuse me and I was standing in it and I could see the whole thing. And then in the next instant, I was, he was there by my bed and I was sitting on my bed and I was there with him. He had flashed me why he had to go. And then I said, well, I'm not going to let you go until you give me your name. So he gave me his name. Now in giving me his name, I, I was, I, I messed up when I said it. And then he corrected me. He says, no. And he said his name and I'm not to repeat the name to the public but what it did was as soon as he left and I um got up I wrote it down I just grabbed my pad and I started writing down what it sounded like phonetically and then I went looking for that online I began looking for these phonetic syllables and it's interesting it goes into the Greek language and uh the first half of his name I, I broke the syllables down, okay? And the first half part of his name means servant. And I went, oh, that's in Greek at me. Oh, okay. And I wrote it down. This, the next part of the name, which he corrected me twice to make sure I got it right, it meant from afar or afar, from a far place. So I put it together. A servant from afar. Yes. What? It was it so totally funny. he just you know I then he knew I was going to research because I'm a researcher <laughs> right I'm a researcher so it was so cool and then I uh quickly jotted down his appearance I put it on a canvas um and I waited uh to, to develop that painting but I I just had to get everything just right and and I had to I was so amazed by his name 
a servant from afar, his name. So I, I didn't call, he did not want me. It's not, we should never call out the names of these angels. Okay. We call out on the name of the Lord. They take their orders from God. They take their orders from God. So uh, they want our attention on the Lord, not on them. And this cannot be overstated. Okay. They get their orders from Jesus. Jesus is the command for the warring angels. They get their orders right from Jesus. He's the commanding general and the Holy Spirit, by the way. Absolutely. Okay. So um, then this kind of helped me. And then in 2001, this is another, this is where these warring angels came into play. Now it was around 2001. Um, uh, I had, a person come to the house who's supposed to do deep tissue kind of body work. Okay. And uh, he brought his table. And um, so I had spasms in my back and this was before my healing and all of that. And I asked uh, for help. So I lay down on the table and I got my head through the little ring, you know, the massage table, they have the little ring. <clears throat> and I whisper, Lord, help me. Because I was hurting. I just wanted this pain in my back to go away. Lord, help me. Okay. This guy comes over and he starts doing this body work and he his hands get too close to someplace they're not supposed to be. And I kind of panic, you know. And like, uh-oh. And then it's kind of like waiting to see, is he going to do that again? He never had a chance because as soon as he reached, he pulled back like this. And he backed up and shook like this. And then he came back at me and he, he couldn't get within a foot. And he screamed and he pulled back and he went like this. And then he came at me again. He couldn't even get three feet in front of me. And he took off yelling, grabbing at himself like this and screaming like, I thought, is he having a seizure? What is going on with this guy? So I got my head in the donut ring and I'm kind of peeking over looking what's going on. And he's screaming from going like this. He comes back over to me. And uh, I get up and I turn over and I start to kind of cover up like, what is going on? And he says, every time I come near you, it's like I'm getting stabbed with swords. And he then he got kind of aggressive, like, I'm just going to do this. And he came at me again. And then he screamed and went back, screaming all the way into the kitchen, flailing his arms and yelling. And then he heads out the door screaming. And I thought, oh, this guy must have some kind of mental problems. Oh, I, I, I didn't get it. You know, so how long did it take for you to realize that it was God protecting? Uh, it took about it took a few days. I I just never thought that you know this would be God's defending angels. I just thought this there was something wrong with this dude. So anyway, he leaves his stuff there. He comes back the next day, you know, humble, and he said, "I'm sorry." He says, "I don't know." He says, I don't know what happened, but I'll tell you this. I was stabbed with swords. He says, God is protecting you. And I'm sorry. It's kind of like he was caught in his sin. He was punished for his sin. 
God was reprimanding him. And I'm the, you know, I'm the 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 one in the middle kind of scratching my head going, what what is what is he talking about? Okay. It took a couple days and then I went, oh, it's the angels protecting me. Psalm 91. He protects those, you know, those who are righteous. Now, if I had had some kind of sexual sin in me, then him reaching for those body parts, maybe, maybe I wouldn't have been protected or maybe I would, I don't know. But I do know that when I put my head to lay down on that table, I had said, Lord, please help me. And that was enough. That was enough calling for God to protect me. Now, where that came from the deep place in me, I'm thinking it was from my back, but it could have been inspired by the Holy Spirit to help me in a way I never thought that what I would have to have that kind of help, but it, but there it was. So it took me a couple days. And then Psalm 91, he will, his angels will protect you and, um, you know, he protects the righteous and he's always there. And you heard me, you heard me, the Lord, you heard me, God, and you, you, you came and rescued me and these kinds of wonderful scriptures and i'm thinking that's those are the guardian angels that's what they're there for you know they're waiting in the wings to bless you and to help you so that was that was a very tangible very uh, amazing um thing uh to encounter and then another time i want to say this was about I, it had to be when i was going through that anaphylactic shock it was around 2009 and 2010 and this is where uh, I had been so beat up. And uh, I think this was right before the challenge of the spirit of death that had tried to, to grab me and take me, take my life then in 2000, when I told you about that third near-death experience with anaphylactic shock. Um, this was right, I believe it was just before this event. Um, this, I had come to the end of my rope. I was physically exhausted. I was... Um, kind of uh, overwhelmed with a lot going on in my life at the time. And I began to weaken. My, I hadn't slept for weeks because my heart rate was like 150, 170. I was having uh, allergic reactions to um, uh, Tylenol, acetaminophen. <laughs> Sorry for giving that brand name, but yeah, the doctor recommended it's safe, right? Anyway, I was headed towards this anaphylaxic. But this... I found myself uh, in a dream, what appeared to be a dream. And then the dream disappeared. And suddenly I found myself on a cliff. And I thought, I am so beat. I'm tired. I give up, Lord. I surrender my life to you. I'm, I'm done. And I kind of went forward off of this cliff. And I started to tumble down. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> I'm caught in in. And I went, I went limp, I'm caught in this being, I want to say he's, he looked like a monk, okay, like one of those, uh, I would say he's the administrating angel, he's one of the administrators, he had pure white hair, snowy white, he had soft folds here, eagle eyes, blue, bluish eyes, clear white scleras and beautiful blue eyes. And he could have been about, I don't know, 65 or 70, was wearing a white robe. And he grabs me, turns me over, and I'm limp, just staring up like, I'm done. I'm done. My spirit is done. I'm done here. I'm just, I was exhausted. 
And he looks into my eyes with the most caring tenderness and he said, um, finish the mission, Tina. Don't give up the mission. Don't give up the mission. And I, I, he was so concerned. And I, the next instant, I'm, I'm back laying on my bed. Don't give up the mission. I thought, oh, he must be one of those guardian angels. He must be, you know, somebody watching out for me in the in in heaven. And then my memory of heaven came back. You see, when we're here on this earth level. There's so much bombardment of this world that weighs us down that one of the number one weapons the enemy uses is to make us forget. He makes us forget our miracles. He makes us forget the word we just learned the day before. He makes us forget, uh, you know, these, these things that we learned from the Lord. He makes us forget. It's like a thin layer. And I've seen this in the spirit world because once I got I shook this stuff off, um, I could sense it when it would come. It feels like a very thin veil of, I want to say it's like saran wrap. It just kind of rests over the soul. And suddenly you feel a little heavier. You feel a little duller. You feel a little bit more um, less connected to the Lord. These are weapons that the enemy uses. And now being cognizant in spirit of these things, I know how to be delivered from them immediately. I remove them and I, I, I refresh myself in the Lord. So <clears throat> this guy, whoever he was, I want to say he was, a, he looked like a friendly, fatherly figure, monk kind of guy dressed in a white robe, a little elderly. His face was soft, like peaches and cream but he had little folds he was older you know but he looked like he aged he was ageless and uh then um then i had that encounter with uh in my third near-death experience when i got anaphylactic shock that's i was able to face that um that angel of death now there is that angel of death and i want to call it the grim reaper this guy who works for the devil there's an angel of life who will come. We say it's the angel of death. The angel of life will come when it's time for you to go home. If you get escorted by him or Jesus, it's an angel of life. But the angel of death is one that's made to take you to the wrong place. And so this green reaper had come. And I mentioned that in my other interview with you and how I refuted him in the name of Jesus and told him to go away. And he went away. <clears throat> so. Um, I want to, oh yeah, so here's another one. This is really amazing. Um, I really believe that when I took the bread and the, um, you know, the little wine cup when I was 14 years old, I didn't, I, you know, they say, oh, well, you're, you're, that's your communion with Lord, the Lord. <clears throat> I think at 14, I couldn't comprehend what that was. I knew it in theory. I knew it in concept. But it hadn't really rooted here. And then in 2013, this is the time I was diagnosed with cancer, these angels came <clears throat> and they they took me uh, on each side of my arm and shoulder and they, they, oh, first before that, what they did was they walked me into a room. There was a bowl that looked uh, like a, a basket and it had these little cracker wafers in them and some sort of drink nearby. And uh, I was instructed to have those. And I said, oh, okay. 
And I went and I ate one of them and they tasted good. Had another and then I had something to drink. <clears throat> and I'm just like waiting there in this room. And then suddenly the room changes and the angels take me one under here and on my back and they lean me back like this. And I go back. Now, as soon as I went back into this, you know, it's like a position. Uh, it was a very comfortable chair, but they got me back about this far. <clears throat> this bolt of light shot from above and hits me right smack between the eyes like a lightning bolt. And it was gold white light and it shot down like this in the center of that light. And this is just blasting through the, the my head right here. In the center of that light is what looks like a the shape of a dove, but like an eagle. And it, it had very pointed wings, the head of a dove, but the, the wings were more pointed like a, a, an eagle diving. And it came through that light right smack into my head. It just shot through and this, it just right into my head, into my, into my being. And then in the next moment, I, I, I'm back on my bed and I thought, what happened? And it was the Holy Spirit. So this tells me that when we think we're going through these motions, these traditions of the communion and, okay, now you have the Holy Spirit and you're saved at 14, you, you know, this and that. I think that that doesn't happen until you are ready for what this means. You can go through all those motions and say, well, you did, you, you know, you checked all your boxes, you did ABC, so you're saved and you're you now got the Holy Spirit in you and this and that. I don't think that that happens until we're ready and prepared and committed for this commission to, to do what we're supposed to do. And so when after I had that hit me, it's like, duh, that's the Holy Spirit. And, and then I began to realize that sometimes you know, the Christian life, we 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 think it's we think it's supposed to be you know, the way that they tell us out there, but I think it's far, it's far more profound and far deeper. And so what they were showing me is, no, now you understand what it is. Now you understand because you're older and mature and you're able to understand what it is to have uh, the Holy Spirit in you and to go put it to work. And uh, whether it was at work in me before, it could very well be, but this was something they wanted me to learn and know and understand by the experience, not by, um, you know, just reading it and getting it mentally. It was an imprint into my soul, my whole spirit. This angel came, I've seen him before, He and I just saw him recently, but this was back in 2014. Remember, I was dealing with cancer and all of these other things. Um, he came in and... Uh, sat down next to me um, and started talking to me about some things which I wasn't allowed to fully remember all. But um, my conversation wandered after he had given me the message from God. Uh, he And then I said, you know, you're, you look awfully young to be an angel because he, could, he looked like he was about 18 or 20 years old. Same blonde hair, youthful, they all they almost look cookie cutter, you know, out of the same, just beautiful blonde hair, blue eyes, beautiful skin, wearing white, 
And I said, you know, you look kind of young to be an angel. And he, he got up, he was sitting on the bed and he got up. Now he had taken me out in spirit. I was, I was asleep. This happened during uh, early hours of the morning. And he, he got me up, gave me a message from the Lord. And then I, and then we had some casual time, which they don't usually do. And I said, you look awfully young, you know, to be an angel of the Lord. And he goes, and he goes into the bathroom and he looks like, well, that's how I look like here. And he's looking at himself and he steps back. Huh. And then I said, um, how old are you? How old are you? And he, and he laughed and he said, I'm one year old. I said, you're one year old? You're one year old? Like I start chuckling and he says, one eternal year. Oh, now, wow. What in the world? Wait, okay. That's then. right. See? Alrighty. <laughs> You understand in eternity, it doesn't, oh, one year, it's all eternal. Wow. It's all eternal. Yeah. Well, it's what all intrigues me is how you were saying, this is pretty cool because I've never heard anyone say this before, how the angel looked in the mirror and say, oh, this is what I look like here. Yeah. So, he, he, he didn't say that. It's what I saw on his face. Like, awesome. huh. Like he's going, huh. And he stepped back like that. And I said, how old are you? You know, because I said, you look too young to be doing this kind of work kind of thing, you know, and he and he and then he said, uh, one eternal year. So I laughed and he laughed and I said, uh, I want you to tell me your name. And and he said, OK, and he told me his name. Now, his name had four, like four names in it. It was a very long name with a title, something like that. And so, again, I had to go look it up. But now these were words, you know, so each word I looked up to make sure, because uh, after the event, after he left, uh, I, I got up and I wrote down his, his name. So get this, okay. The first part broken down of his name meant great or famous. And I'm looking into the, le the lexicon of the languages, okay. Another part of his name meant leader of an army. Okay. Another part of his name meant wealth and riches. And another part of his name meant desiring peace. So he gave me these four names, four, uh, four names, and I, I looked up what each name meant. Now, I'm not going to make any uh, I'm not going to make any, it wasn't, you know, he didn't come out and say, my name is Michael, because everybody assumes that. He gave me four names. When I looked up those four names, they translated as this, great or famous was one, leader of an army was the other name. The next part, the next name he gave me meant wealth and riches. And another part, uh, the last name he gave meant desires translates as desiring peace so he never told me his name as one name he gave me four names and in their translation that's what it meant wow, wow. so i think um the one thing that these angels don't want us to do and this is why he's very careful they are very careful they do not want us to be calling on their names they have a job to do they work for the lord they are from the kingdom of heaven They've been doing this a lot longer per eternity than our little stint here. 
Okay, so we're not going to we're not going to impress them with anything. We're not going to try to lasso them in and get them to do stuff for us in the name of the Lord. No, they have a job to do. They do their work. If they do converse at all with you, consider it an honor and a blessing, and then don't get in their way when they've got to do their work. That's that's the way I don't grab their arms next time, right? Yes, yeah, I'm playing with you. I know that's. I think they they they've been pretty firm with me sometimes. Um, (laughs) I like your boldness. I do. Well, another time, uh, I was taken to the edge of the pit of hell. this I had gone to a a, a workshop and um, on healing, and I, there was a Christian guy who um, was working with this. And then I began to realize that this is not really where I should be because it was it was too much into this laying on on of hands. And I said, "Yeah, but where's Jesus in it?" You know, there was it's kind of like robbing the bank where they want to do this stuff and avoid giving Jesus and God the glory. So I I got out of there. And then I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is that really from you? Then that night, I got escorted to the edge of hell by an angel. And I, the peripheral of hell was there. My feet were hot as I'm standing on the edge and I'm seeing and hearing people screaming and wailing and crying and, and burning. And then the next day I contacted uh, the person who was running that. And I said, what you're doing is uh, opening up uh, uh, an opportunity for hell for people. This is not from God. This isn't. And I just better tell you this. I'm not going to tell you how to run your workshop or your business. But I'm telling you in this message that what you're denying God and you're denying the existence of, of hell and the exi- you're denying Jesus his right, you know, as a he as the son you've got to you've got to understand what's at stake here but that's all i'm not there to tell people how to live their lives i just conveyed my experience of hell and that was it and i left it but you know they show they'll take you to the edge of places to show you things so i'm, I'm really glad that they warned you that and earlier yeah. in our discussion you mentioned that you would tell us the difference between or elaborate the difference between mm-hmm. a divine angel and mm-hmm. a fallen angel. And earlier you mentioned to me right before uh, this interview started, how sometimes different sizes could help determine whether, or it's a dead giveaway if it's not of God and if it is from God. Right, right. Um, I have that all listed at the the, the end. Uh, we could talk about it now if you want. Do you want to do that? Sure, why not? Um, uh, well, okay, let me scroll through then, because um, I was giving these examples, but let's go straight on to the how to tell the difference. Uh, the difference between Jesus and angels, like I mentioned before, Jesus will come and show you things and teach you about his love and about the Father. The angels will give you messages that are concise. There's no mincing. They don't behave like they're your buddies or your friends, you know. And uh, they are, for the most time, silent. And sometimes they're very firm and direct, depending on what you need to learn at hand in that moment. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they, you're, they are not loyal to you, for one thing. Joshua 5.14 is a perfect example. When Joshua was about to go into Canaan uh, with his armies, 
there was a man standing there um, with a big sword and Joshua went up to him and said, are you for us or are you for them? And the angel said, um, neither. And he says, who, who are you for? He says, I'm for the army of the, I'm the army of the Lord. And then this, this angel that Joshua encountered helped them uh, go into, that angel was put there to help Joshua go into the new land for that, in that war that they were about to engage in with the, with the, the armies of God above, with the angelic armies. They won't converse casually with you. God's angels won't. And if you uh, are taken into any temptation by an angel, beware because they are false. They will never tempt you. Well, would you give an example? Because some people may be like, okay, what do you mean by tempt? An angel will, okay, let, let me just say this. An angel will not try to get you to do anything sinful. They won't try to... Uh, get you to do anything uh sinful so let's say they won't let, try to have you do anything that's below the waist they won't uh encourage you to drink they won't encourage you to do things to to have to to pal around with you and then and then get you to move into some ev avenue in your soul that is closed off you're not supposed to they, they won't give you intrigues so I'll tell you about that in a minute. So if, if you're attempted, you, you better stay away. They're false. And angels will not ask you questions uh, to engage with them. You see, this is how the enemy opens up doors in our soul. He opens up doors by pretending to be dumb and asking a question. Did God really say that if you eat of that tree, you know, you'll die? Did he really say that? You know, they pretend to be innocent. So that you come on with knowledge and authority and go, well, God had said such and such. See, they're trying to open a door to begin conversation with you. So uh, angels will not ask you questions to engage you. They won't try to get you uh, off track, off track of the Lord ever. And they won't stray from their message and they won't try to befriend you. Even your most loyal, so-called loyal guardian angels, remember, they're loyal to God. They, their loyalty is to the Lord. Um, that's what we have to remember. And they're always trying to help us in our immediate situation, but they also, they, they allow us to have that free choice. The free choice we have in every situation. And then they'll try to help us. If we go too far down into sin, they're not going to go back. They're not going to go and rescue because they're holy too. They do the Lord's work and they're only permitted to go so far. And if you continue to go down into the pit of hell for whatever reasons, there's only so much they will do. The rest of it's going to depend on the mercy and the blood of Jesus. So they, they wait. They know their boundary. They wait. And yet they'll still rescue you. If the Lord says, go down there and rescue. They will. But, but this is something we have to understand. It's by grace. We're not going to command them to do anything. It's by grace. They won't stray from their message. And, and so um, they'll only speak concisely for the Lord and they don't make conversation. This is something that a lot of people who say, uh, oh, my angel, I talk to him and he says this and that. And we're in great conversation. And you have to be very careful with that kind of thing. And when you look in the Bible, you don't see that. You don't see angels making casual conversation with people. They'll come and give you a message. They may help you out with something. 
But uh, they, what I've discovered is they're not really allowed to speak to you unless the Lord says they can speak to you. And usually it's very poignant, very short and sweet to the point. Um, sometimes they'll show you something without saying anything. If they can show you something without going into elaborate conversation with you, they'll do that. Because showing you and having you immersed in, in the experience is more important than them trying to dialogue with you. So this is uh, one, one of the ways that they work. Um, usually their, their conversation is very minimal. Um, they can also demonstrate a holy love to you, but they'll ne it'll never be below the waist, I'm telling you. They'll never attempt to seduce you in any of your senses. They'll never try to seduce you through any, any um, and I'm talking about God's angels now, and they're very pure. And they also know the weaknesses of humans and and even the traps that people inadvertently set for them you know we're 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 down here on an unholy level operating in in our way of our so-called way of life and they're holy they come from the lord and from the kingdom so they come down here for this job to take care of us for what however many years we live and and they're in this unholy place and so uh they um they they won't tempt you, but sometimes humans tempt them. We want to interact with them. We want attention from them. We want to feel we have some kind of a God link with through them. And this is really not uh, not the way the Lord wants us to operate. They don't try to ask you questions to establish a relationship with you. Um, they go there to get your the job done. You can ask them questions, and they may not answer you. If God says to give it for him for them to give you an answer, they will. But generally speaking, um, the words are going to be very concise if they do. Um, they can escort you to heaven. They'll escort you to wherever you're supposed to be looking into something that God has for you. Uh, but there may not be conversation in there. And they'll defend you and fight to protect you as I've experienced uh, personally. I didn't have the angel say, hey, that was me that rescued you. Never self-seeking. They they avoid all of that. Um, um, sometimes they're not uh they're they're not permitted to talk to you, like I said, unless God gives them that that permission to do that. Uh they won't inquire of you and they will not lure you with strange curiosities. And this is something that when people get established relationships with with so-called angels, these these demonic forces that can look glorious and, and imitate, um, they will try to lure you with curiosities. And uh, this is where people get entangled really bad. Uh, ministering angels also keep quiet most of the time unless they have a direct message to you. So you've got your warring angels, and those guys say even less to you than your ministering angels because they're there to defend you and get out and, and do their work. Um, they sing praises to God and may smile at you, but, uh, their attention is always on the Lord. And if you, oh yeah, uh, one thing that came up with some of these false angels is sometimes you'll have an overly eager situation where, you know, a false angel will tell you, I've got some information for you. You got to have this. And, uh, or if it's a small angel, you know. 
you got to be very careful because a lot of times those are false. Um, what they want to do is befriend you and then kind of get your attention leaning over to them. No angels of God will do that. They'll always, always point you to Jesus. They'll do everything they can to get you back on track with God and the Lord. And false angels, I just want to be sure about this, that people know that they can imitate the likeness of God's angels. They can imitate it perfectly. Uh, but if you really have that Holy Spirit in you and, the, and, and, you know, Walker, lean on the Lord and lean close to the Lord, you will know when you are being fooled. And if you are, if you don't know, then you need to get back on track with the Lord and be as close as possible to the Lord and his word and the Holy Spirit. Because what these angels, these false angels will do is they will try to confound and confuse you. And if you have those questions and you're starting to kind of lean off, you need to get right back into the Lord. You need to get cling to Jesus and get all your focus right back onto Jesus. You have to do that because otherwise you open up a whole other paradox and it can get very sticky and very awful. And then that's when the enemy comes in. So now um, false angels they pretend to chum up to you and speak very friendly to you. This is interesting. When I say chum up, I'm not talking about when when someone ha, uh, meets an angel and he says, don't you know you are beloved of God? That is from uh, probably from a real angel. But a fake angel, a false angel, will try to chum up to you and be your friend and be very friendly to you and make it seem like hey we're we're buds you know hey i you know kind of like you're you're with me i'm with you and we're all good together this is the angels trying to um do what the serpent did with eve and that is kind of pretend to be something friendly and, and they're not they they have a game plan sometimes they'll come as little i want to say sprites or these friendly little fairy-like beings and um when you pull that disguise mask off man there are demons and i've seen them i've seen them and how Used tall to have do you a say they are because before you said they were about they can, be, can be three and a half three anywhere from two to three feet tall uh, -huh. uh looking like sweet little fairies or little sweethearts whatever you want to call them the fairies aren't good no these these beings they come off as being playful and innocent Okay, and then once they get you entertained, you've opened that part of your soul to them. They've got a hook on you. King David talked about the cords of death that were dragging him down into the pit. Every time we put our consciousness into something, it's a cord. It's a connection. And these things, they start off with their innocent little cuties. And then they then what happens is these, these little fairy-type beings will eventually lead you to the bigger guys and the bigger guys and pretty soon you're you're in chains so this is very very sensitive stuff we're talking about here and this is why it's important that you focus on jesus you focus on god you get your heart and your mind if you have jesus you do not need to worry about this and that if, if if you go into the gate jesus says i am the gate i am the way i'm the truth and the life 
if you go into the gate because you belong to Jesus and are with him, the angels will come and go. They'll do whatever they got to do, but your mind is on him. And this, this, there, our faith and our walk with the Lord should be so solid that whether an angel shows up or not is not a, it's not an issue. But we got to walk with him. And, and he, that's the Holy Spirit and Jesus will give you that discernment. So these false angels will try to engage you and tempt you with ideas to confuse you like they did with Eve. They'll also try to discuss things of the flesh and tell you it will help you or it's God's will or they'll do something. They'll do anything they can that will create a bond with you. So it's almost like this a grooming. Is, huh? It's almost like a grooming. Would you say that? Yeah, they're they're prepping and grooming you for for Satan. You know, they get you mind off of Christ, and they entertain you in these very human ways. And then before you know it, you now have got bondage. Um, they try to tempt you with intrigues to get you involved in mystical things or occult things, or you know, make you feel like you've got all this power to throw things across the room, levitation or whatever. They they do these tricks, these parlor tricks. So you go, whoa, I must have this power or whatever, or they'll intrigue you with certain movies or certain things to make you feel powerful. Everything about these enemy will try to make you feel empowered, but it's a fleshly, worldly dominance kind of false power. And Jesus, his power is amazing, and he can be as peaceful and kind and gentle and be the almighty all at once like like when i was laying on that um my head through that ring getting that so-called body work um all i had to do was say lord help me and he defended me i didn't have to lift a finger i didn't have to struggle i didn't have to be the power person i didn't have to kick anybody off of me this was all <laughs> by the power of the lord I did nothing. He did it. And that's why he says, rest in the Lord. We're all looking for, you know, ways of, of strengthening and defending and doing this and that for ourselves. But we're not leaning on the Lord. When you lean on the Lord and you live in his spirit, you are protected. He'll take care of you. His angels will do what they're supposed to do. It's not up for us to go wandering off and have all these curiosities. I never once prayed to angels or asked them to appear or anything like that. I did have a very bold conversation with uh, them, uh, and I sure got uh, an answer, um, which I'll talk to you about in a minute. But um, anyway, false angels will, will try to tempt you to sin or hook you in by your emotions and desires in order to corrupt you. They're doing something, looking for something by way to corrupt you to get you i had a dream this is a weird dream and i'll tell you about it um i had a dream that uh i was standing with two women and they walked me over and said um that the reason they, they said to me that the reason coffee gives me a headache is that it had a curse from the coffee witch that there was someone back in south america who who put a curse on coffee. So this is why people who drink too much coffee get these headaches. These beings, these women in a dream were telling me this. And then um, they, this woman walks up and she begins to utter this, these incantations over the coffee fields. And I saw this 
kind of energy, light kind of scattered through the coffee field in a dream. And uh, she said she can break the, the curse. And she uttered these words. And so I woke up and I thought, that is really weird. That is, that is really strange. So I wrote it down. And what this temptation was showing me is that if I, if I spoke these words, maybe it would stop coffee from giving me a headache. You see the temptation, right? If I spoke those words, I would be speaking a incantation or some kind of thing. If I spoke those, then that would put me in covenant. It would put me in agreement with these occult forces. So this is things that happen. They come, sometimes, you know, the enemy will come in dreams and try to influence you in dreams. I've had, uh, I'll tell you of a case. Now, I don't want to scare anybody, but um, <clears throat> I've learned over time not to answer any questions in my dreams. Angels won't ask you questions. The enemy will ask you questions to try to figure things out. So I've had dreams where uh, I'm in a dream, something, and then somebody will come up and start asking me questions. And what I realized over time, you know, having now walked with the Lord and becoming close and the spirit of wisdom and the spirit, the Holy Spirit teaching me was I, I would turn in the middle of my dream and say, I don't know you. I don't have to answer any of your questions. And as soon as I did that, the dream disappeared. It just was like a mask that was torn off and I saw the demons and they would try to attack me because the gig was up. The gig was up. So then I call on the angels and they come in and battle. And this is why I say I've seen angels battling these forces. They, they watch out for us. Uh, they, they, they defend us. But see, if I was in agreement, what can they do if you're in agreement with the enemy? So I watch. I'm very careful in my dreams. And before I go to sleep at night, I say, God, watch over my dreams. Send your Holy Spirit to go before me. And your, and your angels to defend me so that my uh, soul will not be uh, bothered by these uh, en by the enemies of your throne, even in my dreams, Lord. And I get peace. So, Tina, you actually mentioned to me how angels escorted you to heaven. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay. Well, this is after my visit. Uh, in 2015, I had a supernatural visitation brought before the glory of Jesus on his throne. <clears throat> In 2000, on October 20th, 2019, you know, I've been asking the Lord how to, um, how do the angels deal with it? Uh, like I said, I've been dealing with trying to, um, you know, recover from my fourth near-death experience. My system was weak and the enemy kept coming to try to uh, attack me and harm me and the angels were fighting. And I'd wake up tired, you know, like exhausted from fighting at night and then, uh, and then, you know, the next day having to walk around in my, my, my body, uh, taking care of myself and, and getting well. So this time they don't, they didn't answer me. They don't answer verbally that they, they answer me by experience. And I was brought into heaven. I heard the angels and the sound. I followed the sound. It was open in my heart. I followed the sound and the angels escorted me into heaven. Now, Jesus was standing slightly to my left. He was at the right hand of God. And these choirs of angels are all wrapped around the throne behind and even behind me. And I couldn't see God, but I knew I was in the presence of God. And the angels, uh, they were like a half circle in an arc shape behind the throne. And then um, 
uh, they stood behind me also praising and they demonstrated to me that the way they overcome all their battles is by praising and worshiping before the throne of God. And this praise and worship is really amazing because when they praise and worship, they enter into uh, the words that they're speaking. They become the, 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 they become the worshiping words. It's not just speaking them, but they, they ride that wave. And then the, the angels are fed back God's glory. And it's a, it's a loving flow that goes to and from and to and from. And they are revived and revitalized. And in that time, I got to spend singing and glorifying. It's funny, when I was there, I knew all the words. <laughs> Just praising in the oneness, you know. And, um, and then uh, he, the angel continued uh, to convey the message to me from God. And when I, uh, he says, God heard and he asked me to tell you. And then he gave me the information I needed to know. Um, and there was short, concise, and no frills uh, in that uh, right after that worship. He gave me that message. And then he says, and then he said, if you have faith, then God is able to extend his unbelievable grace to you. If you have faith, he, God is able to extend his unbelievable grace to you. He didn't say his grace, it means a grace that is so amazing that you can't even grasp it all. It's beyond your, your belief. It's so amazing. So that was one. And then in uh, 2019, after having a battle, uh, I was able to help a woman come free of her demons and the demons didn't like that. They came at me at night and an angel came and just smashed them back with a sword. And he looks down at me, this warring angel, and he said, God is the answer to everything. That was in 2019. So... Um, there's a lot that has, has uh, gone on. Um, they've come and checked on me. One of them uh, on January 1st, 2020, he came in and he says, are you okay, Tina? Just come to check. Yes, I'm okay. Uh, lots and lots of different encounters. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's very important that we understand and keep our eye on the Lord. The more you walk with the Lord, these encounters will happen as a natural occurrence. And we're not supposed to force them or try to evoke something. We're not into um, speaking scriptures like they're incantations to bring about something. We're to live in the grace of the Lord, walk in the grace of the Lord, walk with Jesus, have our eyes of our heart and our ears open to what he's saying to us. And the angels will be there. You know? Tina, I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that because that was my last question. How can people see what you see? How can the veil be, um, I guess, thinned like yours is where you actually see spiritual warfares of, of angels slashing demons and how your angels, well, angels this is the, Okay, so this is a double-edged sword, I have to tell you. Okay, because for as much as we want to see angels, you understand that that is a spiritual opening. And in that, we have that spiritual opening. You are also opening uh, the, the, mm -hmm, the second heaven because that's a spiritual realm. So these are things that you, you don't want to open. They open naturally uh, in their own accord when you're walking with the Lord. Again, it's not something that you can... Um, 
It's a walk. It's a journey in the Lord. It's not something that if you practice this and this and this, and you check off these boxes, this will happen. This is, and it's by grace as well. We're all on a different mission, but I would say, if you want to meet your angels, then you ask God, Father God, or, you know, Jesus, God tells us, uh, you know, um, to hear his son. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. So we go to Jesus. Jesus, I would like to meet my guardian angel if that's okay with you. If you feel I'm ready for it. Okay. And it's that simple. And that's what I did when I was younger. Lord, I, I would like to meet my guardian angels. I would like to meet my guardian angels. I want to know who's watching out for me. And, and, you know, as we walk with the Lord and he strengthens us in him, then uh, that could be a possibility. I'm, I'm, uh, it's not some, like I said, they, they want to help us uh, in our relationship with the Lord. That's their objective. I'm actually so glad that you mentioned that the way to step into this realm or see that realm basically is relationship with Jesus Christ. It's been a little made cliche lately relationship relationship where almost it's it's watered down but it's really important i'm really glad that you mentioned relationship with jesus christ and the more intimate you get with him uh the more you're trusted to see these things um there's a lot of people who want that and a lot of people Mm -hmm. are struggling i people have reached out to me after watching some videos and they're saying how do i get there i want this for myself what am i doing wrong So could you do me a favor and could you pray for those people who are struggling to get Mm -hmm. that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that they so much want Um, Mm -hmm. and to to pray for them also to have the discipleship that they need and be around the right people, you know, because that matters as well. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Lord, dear heavenly father, you are so powerful. Beloved Jesus, you are our savior and you are one. We thank you for this time now. And I, I like to pray for these people who are seeking to know you more and seeking to know their angels. In other words, they are seeking the companionship of the kingdom of heaven. So, Lord, I pray right now that uh, you quiet their hearts and you quiet their soul and you quiet their mind. And help them to set time aside and to uh, strengthen their uh, confidence in you and to have faith in you in the quietness, Lord. And that they make you number one. So I pray right now that they are moved by your spirit to have one-on-one with you and to set time aside every single day with you. That the eyes of their heart may be open, not the eyes of their flesh, but the eyes of their heart and the ears of their heart and their spirit. I pray, Lord, that they uh, seek you in peace and, and to understand that you move by your grace. And so, Lord, please help these people who earnestly seek you. Uh, and to help them have this one-on-one time with you, to quiet their mind and to trust you, and to go into that secret place, Lord, where you live, where you dwell, and are waiting for them. 
I pray also that you give them uh, the, the time they need to set time aside for you and your son and, and to grow in that intimacy of Jesus and what he has for us that welcomes us into the kingdom of heaven where our guardian angels, our ministering angels, our administering angels, and our warrior angels uh, come from. I pray, Lord, that you help them and help them to seek the deep part of you, to have that Sabbath, that peace by which your door will open to them, and that divine love. Thank you so much for hearing me and hearing us as we pray, Lord. May they, may these people who earnestly seek you, I pray that you you hear their prayers and and the earnestness in their heart and give them uh, what they need to begin that relationship and to begin opening those doors. I ask also for protection over their soul as they um, uh, turn to you for that uh, spiritual awareness and turn to you uh, for that spiritual door from Jesus's heart to their heart to be open. And that through that, Jesus being the gateway, they will discover all the wonderful things of heaven that you have for them, the great treasures and the relationships of uh, your angels and the beloved son, our, our God, Jesus. Thank you for hearing me and hearing us in your mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for this part two angel interview. I know so many people were blessed by this interview. I wanted to show this to you. Oh yeah, which one is that? This is the angel. This yeah, is the this, is the, angel. this is the angel that was over my bed when I caught his hand and he was looking down at me. Is this the one where you said messenger from above or servant from above? Uh, this is the one, um, no, this is the one who I grabbed his hand and stood up on my bed. Ah. And I, him, I wasn't going to let him go. That's why I got him. I could see him so clearly. Wow. So everyone has to watch until the end to see that now. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Looking for some deep believing, bold quoted Christian t shirts, hoodies, or sweaters? Look no further. Visit myjesusfriend.com to get 10% off whatever you want when you enter promo code Believer21. That's www.myjesusfriend.com.